This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast with myself, Mike Stockley, and as ever, Mr. Daniel Buxton. So today's pod is going to be slightly different. Uh, We'll still bring you all the normal news, which unfortunately does include the passing of 49-year-old Peter Handyside, the ex-Stoke centre-back and captain. And of course, we'll look ahead to QPR on Wednesday, which is probably one of the most important games since we got relegated. And the reason for the slight difference in the podcast is that we decided to take to Twitter spaces on Saturday evening to break down, of course, our unfortunate 3-1 defeat against Blackburn. The response was quite considerable, so we've managed to speak to a number of people, including Radio Stokes' Rob, who I'm sure many of you have heard on Praise and Grumble. Uh, We also heard from John, Jack and Kieran, who give their thoughts as well on the current situation. Who's to blame? Where are things going wrong? Where do we go from here? So I think you'll find this one will be quite an interesting podcast. It'll be interesting to get your thoughts as well. So be sure to obviously hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, give us your thoughts. Give us your opinions on where you think this is wrong. But for the next hour or so, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I appreciate it. It's not going to be one of the most cheery of podcasts. But as always, we're with you every step along the way. Good evening, Mr. Buxton. Good evening, Mr. Stockley. Have you recovered from the uh, abomination of an afternoon watching the Stoke Mighty Potters? Live it all again. We'll get into that in a minute, mate. I don't know if one of, anyone wants to relive it. So I guess for, for anyone who is, of course, joining, then uh, firstly, I'd probably say, well done. Uh, you, you're ready to be, uh, you know, kind of go through the mill yet again. There's so many different directions we can go with this tonight, if I'm honest with you. Uh, now, we don't obviously normally do post-match reactions, so this is going to be going on to the normal pod uh, as, as, as normal, but uh, we thought that it's best to kind of hear from you a lot because I think one thing I could possibly say, and we, we've all seen reactions after after games, but I think importantly, you know, you, you looked at the actual feedback that everyone was coming out with and everyone was... I wouldn't say frustrated. People were angry, uh, and, and I'd say probably more than anything else. Now, for anyone who may have not actually caught it, uh, Radio Stoke stayed on from six till seven. Uh, they normally finish at six, and it was actually a fantastic hour, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, some really good points. There was loads of people calling in. I think everyone seems to be along the same lines in the fact that it quite simply is not good enough. It hasn't been good enough for a while. But I guess, Dan, when that when that team sheet came out, what was your initial thoughts? Because 
I mean, we, we've already seen with Shiri, he likes to switch things up and, and you know, there's always changes, but there were eight changes to that team. Is that not a few too many for you? Because it was for me. No, not at all. Um, because that's exactly what I put on my team, so I can't really, I can't really turn around to him, can I, and say he was wrong. Um, I think the only ones I had, I think I had Campbell instead of Vidigal, although the um, stories and the Instagram stories and everything else that's been put through in the preceding when we recorded the pod, I understand why he might not be involved. And uh, I think I had, uh, oh yeah, I had Rose instead of Will didn't I? But Rose, uh, Rose on the reach dropped straight straight from the, the starting lineup out of the squad. So they really annoyed him last week, Ballard. So it's... I, I understand when you lose 5 0, you need to make changes. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the last two games, we've used 19 players out of 25. That screams of a team, uh, well, you know. That's going to Schumacher actually not having a clue what his best team is. It was as simple as that for me. Now, again, as you said, you know, you you were fine with the eight changes. There's, I think, there's a balancing act to have here because yes, you need to make changes. Everyone expects it, but any team, any successful team, has a consistent spine to the team. They have a consistent team, and generally, you'll make two or three changes maybe after a bad result. But I think to make eight changes. As I said, he doesn't know what his best team is, and I just think it was a step too far for me. I, I understand, like, I mean, Vidigal, I think somebody made a comment as to, you know, he's 400,000. We're seeing every single penny of the 400,000 and nothing more. He seems to have completely gone off the boil. And I do think there's a good player in there, but you said yourself earlier in the season that the likes of Vidi are just, you know, we were just seeing him in a purple patch. I think I think that's what is. I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. So, where did it go wrong for you then? I, I suppose with, with all this, do, do, do you think this went wrong in terms of selection, formation, not having good enough players? Can you put your Can you put your finger on it? Yeah, today it went wrong uh, defensively. Absolute shambles at the back. You could probably go and find four better centre backs on any of the parks in Stoke on Trent tomorrow morning. To be fair, the, the full back defenders and what we were pointing out there today, they were just all over the place, really. There was no cohesion, there was no understanding about who was doing what, who was picking anyone up, what areas they were all going into. And that first half an hour, Blackburn just seemed to have free reign across basically the whole, you know, our, our final third. They were just doing what they wanted. Yeah, and they're not the first team to do that, though. How many times have we said that this season? We looked at Leicester last week. Like, what was it, three of the five goals yet again coming down that left-hand side? And also, like today, again, another the first goal uh, down the left uh, down the left-hand side, no marking in the middle for the cross, no closing that ball down, and he just taps it into, into a net. Like, it's... It, it's embarrassing. It actually is embarrassing to watch. And if I'm one of them players out there... I literally am turning around. If I'm Iverson, right? I mean, Christ, the guy, people have been slating him. I think if you look at the goals, there's probably not an awful lot he can do with them because he's got Utter Dross sitting in front of him. And as a player, he must be there pulling his bloody hair out because I know I would be as a goalkeeper. You need some protection. Now, yeah, okay, there's one or two goals he could probably have done maybe a bit better with. But we've conceded, what, what is it now? Is it 14 goals I think we've conceded? 
uh, in the last three games, something, something along those lines. Uh, I think it's just it, it's quite, it's quite shocking to be honest. And now one thing, Dan, I wanted to pick up actually um, before we break into the other goals and stuff like that. On that Thursday meeting that the club had, um, I made a comment to you now where he was asked. Obviously, Ricky Martin uh, was asked around. Know the the players. Why did we sign a centre back? Why didn't we sign a left back, etc.? And his answer didn't wash with me. It's as simple as that, really. Him and Schumacher decided that they wanted a winger instead of a defender, or you know that's what they could get. Now, it it's unacceptable. We we have been without a left back pretty much all season. We know how good Stevens can be on his day, but the guys barely kicked a ball in anger for ages through injury. The one or two positions we needed were defenders. Yes, you could argue that we haven't scored enough goals at the other end. But like I said to you the other day, if you don't keep them out at one end, it's, we can't we can't outscore teams. We've never done that. So how can Schumacher and you know the recruitment team? I'm not going to put it just on Jared or or, or you know or just on Ricky. All of them have got to take responsibility for that because you you can't possibly look at our defence and go, yeah, we need another 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 winger. We don't need a defender. I just think that for me is, I think that's one of the worst decisions that either of them have made since they walked through this door. It just it's just beggar's belief for me. I think to be fair to them, obviously when he came in, we had the clean sheet didn't we against uh, Millwall. And then we would have the, uh, you know, we just conceded the single goal against Watford. We had the clean sheets against Ipswich. So when they got into the January window, three out of the four games they played, we were very solid defensively, really. I mean, yeah, we conceded the consolation against Birmingham. So of all four games, like I say, up to that point, they've done all right, haven't they? And then the Brighton game, you can sort of accept that because, you know, the class side that Brighton are. Um, obviously, we went to Rotherham, kept a clean sheet. So you're all of a sudden you're veering then towards the end of January, and we've had a very solid defence under Schumacher, and defence hadn't really been an issue. The record over over the season, if you take out you know, before the last what three games, wasn't that bad at all, really. So I can understand why they thought the priority of scoring goals because that is an issue that has been an issue for a long, long time, and I believe that. It, you know, they maybe looked at it and thought, yeah, the defence has proved to me that we're solid enough. The, the problem is, since the window's shut, it's all just fell apart defensively. How we're going to pull that back together, I'm not so sure because we just don't... Again, there's just no cohesion, is there, and then the back line, and then it's really quite worrying. Again, where where the, people like Gooch and that, really, you know, you're expecting them... People like Gooch to stand up and be a bit of a leader at the back. I know he's out of position at left back. Maybe he's, you know, preoccupying himself with that and concentrating on his own game more. But you know, we need some people. Really, we've got to get people rallying, rallying the side while we're out there because that, to me, everyone's heads are just down. And you've got Berger, a twenty-two-year-old lad, charging around the place with the captain's armband, trying to do the work of about five people at the minute, and. And what you'll end up doing is you'll you're losing the benefit of a player like Berger because again he's he's doing everybody else's role and not concentrating on his own. I can't disagree with you about Berger. I think he's the one player who can help, kind of hold his head up high. To be honest, with you. I think he I think he's been pretty good pretty much all season. I think Luke, for for me, I think to to say we've got a solid defense is probably a bit of a stretch. Um, 
I, I think the defence has been nowhere near good enough, um, to be honest with you, Dan. I think, yeah, so thumbs up from uh, straight. Thank you, mate. It must be must be Dan. Uh, yeah, I think to say that we've had a solid defence is, is a bit of a stretch, Dan. I'm going to be honest with you. Hopefully when you rejoin us, you'll you'll catch that. But <sighs> I'm sorry, mate. You, you, you can't defend that. We, we, we have Wilmot. We talked about before. Wilmot is, is, can be a great player, but he's been way, way off the pace. Uh, to be honest with you. Gooch has, has looked good at parts this season, but he's gone missing. We've talked about Kiana. He's obviously not been good enough um, in recent times. We can't. You can't look at that defence and say we've been good. We have, we've been solid. And also, you can't kind of pick three or four games where it's been okay. And even then, we've probably got away with, with things at times. Like We, we have needed centre-back all season who can actually dominate. We've had none of them. We've had no full-backs. has been awful on the rack. Junior's barely played because, obviously, AFCON and stuff like that. And, and obviously, Alex Neal never um, played him anyway. So, I think we've been poor in defence all season. We've had a couple of half-decent games. So, I, I'm sorry, Matt. I've got to disagree with you on that one. But, uh, but Luke, you know, like I said, first goal, no marking in the middle, tap-in. Really poor, and guess what? Second goal, yet again, left back position is left completely exposed. The cross isn't stopped, and then you know, back post header across, Smolich heads in. Like this is Sunday league defending. We can't turn around and say they are good enough because they absolutely are not. And you're right. Where do we go from here? Because we can't change anyone now. We haven't. We, what else have we got? Kieran Clark. <laughs> I mean, the, does the guy even exist anymore? Uh, I don't remember the last time we've seen him play properly and have some decent game time. So I'm very keen to see what anyone else thinks around what we do from a defensive capability. I know what I what I will do in terms of my team going later, but we'll talk about that in the preview section. But I think the only way that we're going to get away from the mire that we're in is to actually drop much deeper and play more defensively. And if that means we have to play more boring football, I mean, it's not more boring than losing three, four, five goals at every, every bloody week. So third goal, long ball, flick on, runs in, slots it in the, in the bottom corner again. And at that point, Dan, I could only describe it as an embarrassing scoreline. This is this is Blackburn Rovers. This isn't Leicester City. This isn't Ipswich. You know, they're, they're a far, far better team on the horizon than what we played today. And we've been completely done again. Where do we go from here, Dan? Because... I'm really concerned at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just looking through the comments that have come in, I mean, we'll get into them in a minute. There's one that sticks out to me, and it's uh, Greenoff, 1972. Drop Wilmot, stick with McNally and Rose, play two actual full-backs, Junior and Hoover. Uh, Gooch is not a full-back. Play an actual defensive midfielder, Thompson or Pearson. Give Berger some free reign, that will help for me. Not perfect, but it's the only hope. I'm with you a lot of that. I actually think Berger's... Berger's form's improved, dropping a bit deeper, as if maybe he gets that extra second on the ball or he, you know, he gets more chance to sort of see more of the game. Um, but I'm not averse to bringing in and shoring up the midfield maybe to protect the defence because obviously there is a weakness there. Uh, whether that's Thompson, who's better on the ball, would he be more suited to uh, play midfield for, um, obviously for Schumacher? Uh, but yeah, as for the centre-backs... As much as I do think Ben Wilmot individually is the best of the three at the minute, McNally and Rose as a partnership just seems, for whatever reason, to be the most solid. 
what I, I, I don't I don't understand why. Don't ask me to understand why. It's a mystery of the universe, I think. But for, as good as Ben Wilmot is, at the minute he, he's out of form, and whoever he plays with, whether it be McNally or Rose, they you they seem to be shot in confidence as well. Whether playing alongside him, whether whether McNally and Rose can just whether it's because they played together at Coventry last season for a spell and. You know, bringing them, and then they've got that to fall back on, and that's why statistically they are better together this season. But maybe we just need to try that again. I can't disagree with you. Like we, me, and you have been big advocates of, of Ben, but he's just, he's just not, he's just not on, on the pace. He's not on the ball. So yeah, I've got no issues with that. And and again, I'll go through my team later. We've got QPR coming up, as we know, on Wednesday. That is one of the biggest games since relegation for me. It's as simple as that. Because I said prior to this game, we're going into Blackburn, we're going into QPR. We all know the run of teams we have in the next six or seven games. Teams that are all up there, all challenging, or quite simply are definitely better than us as we stand right now. I said to you, Dan, we need four points out of the next two games. We're already not going to get four points out of the next two games. QPR, I've had a really good result against Norwich. They were, you know, they were they were doing really well for a good period of time. So they've still managed to get a point. They're going to come here with absolutely no fear, just like every other team that have joined, you know, obviously come to the Bet365 this year. No one's coming here with any fear at all. So they're going to have their backs right up, ready to go for this. If we lose that game and we are coming away with zero points, as I said to you, and I'm going to stand by this and you're welcome to clip it up and do whatever you want to do. If we do not get an- another win, on Wednesday, we will not win another match until the 1st of April against Huddersfield. That is the next time we'll win a game because we ain't going to beat Leeds, Hull, Middlesbrough, Coventry. It's not going to happen. And by then, we are a team firmly in the bottom three. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I really can't. We will have enough of the segues. We'll go and just talk about probably one little bit of quality that we actually did see, if anything. I think that our goal, obviously. Now, Berger's played in, in, in a ball through the middle into Juno. Juno's obviously flicked the ball over the defender. I'm not sure if that was on purpose or not, but either way he did it. Um, and, and Ennis actually had a, a really decent finish. You know, you can see there's a little bit of quality there. He's He's been quite composed. He's snuck it into the bottom corner. That one little bit of quality that we actually saw uh, in, in the match. And I think, you know what, had, had we scored the penalty as well to back up that just after half-time, I... Personally, actually, do think we would have probably got at least a point out of it because they would have had their backs up again. They would have been really nervous, and I think we've actually come away with something. But I mean, Dan, what did you make of firstly the goal, and then secondly Johnson, who for me should be nowhere near this team? A little fancy run up. He's he's not been in good enough form to have a, a fancy run up. He just needs to bloody hit the damn thing. But what did you make to those two moments? Obviously, there goes three one straight away. If we were going to three nil. It's so you're thinking damage limitation, aren't you? At that point, you you try your best to get into it, but you're not really holding out much hope. But to get a sort of an instant hit, then all of a sudden you're back to as if it's just still two 0 But even better, really, you've got a little bit of momentum. So it was good that we hit back straight away. Like like you've said there, the ball from Juno. I think he'll probably tell he'll tell you he meant it, whether he did or not. <laughs> um, and then obviously, like you say, Ennis, what I liked was. It wasn't. 
he, he's not as if he, he beat a couple of men and put it away. He battled for it. Like I think he lost it into his he, you know, his, his touch wasn't fantastic. He lost the ball, but he battled into a tackle. He won the ball back from that. And then he's like I say, stayed composed in that moment and just sort of rolled it in the corner. You know, wrong foot to the keeper, put it away. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely something to work with there. I think he's going to be, he's a bit sort of rough around the edges, kind of. You know, he's not the finished article and not complete in in terms of uh, having great ability. But I think he's one who will, uh, for me, he looks so far like somebody who'll run all day for you. He's got good pace, and I think he's he's one of them. There's like a nightmare for the centre half because I think he's always over your shoulder. He's always you know coming at you. So I think he's definitely one that we've got something to work with there up front. Um, it reminds me a bit of uh, probably a little bit quicker than Jacob Brown, maybe not as not as technically great. But they, uh, that kind of mould and he's like a like a bit of a wasp kind of thing. You know, he's, he's always just buzzing around everywhere, uh, putting pressure on the defence. Uh, as for the penalty, well, like you say, <laughs> the thing is, if he's confident enough to have that run up, then fair enough. You know, however he wants to take his penalties, takes penalties as long as they end up in the back of the net. This one didn't, and it was a poor height. Good height for the goalkeeper, so he's hit it at a poor height, not you know not exactly great pace or anything, and you know I mean we mentioned on the preview pod, don't we? It's six years to the day, six years to the very day since Charlie Adam missed that penalty against Brighton, which he missed and then took an absolute age to put the rebound in, and uh, I think it was Lewis Dunk came in and you know, put it out for a corner, and ultimately. I think that was sort of the turning point in our season. Um, back then, and obviously we ended up getting relegated, didn't we, a few months later. Hopefully, you know, there's some sort of you know start and end to a case or something, if you like, because <laughs> there's not been much fun in between. Um, but yeah, it's just funny how obviously the dates and everything lined up today with that. Because I think if that penalty goes in, you know, I, I at that point am thinking we're going to get something from that game. Blackburn have not been in form. They've raced into a 3-0 lead. Everybody's jumping up and down, you know, thinking the game's won. All of a sudden, 3-1 straight away. They're still thinking, OK, that's fine. Yeah, there's still no worry. If straight after half-time we come and make it 3-2, you've got 40 minutes left. And, all, and you know, you've just got two goals back in quick succession against a team that defensively, have been very poor of late. You know, the the fans would be nervous because they, you know, they, oh my goodness, we're going to throw away a 3 0 three nil lead. You know, we've seen this ourselves, haven't we, with the Cardiff game, you know, a couple of years ago, and we weren't in any kind of poor form that Blackburn are. You know, so if I say if that second goal, if that penalty had gone in, I I really feel that we'd have gone on. The momentum would have carried us. The, the nervousness around the ground on you know on the pitch and in the stands and we'd have got at least a point from this game that's how big a miss that penalty is for me I think it's that has you know just just been the final nail in the coffin for us that day on on the day and you know, after that they carried on plugging away you know there was only Blackburn never had you know, didn't have any chances second half really did you know they were you know, quite um, Quite happy for us to have the ball, though, weren't they? They'd done their job in the first half an hour. They got 3 0 up. It was 3 1. They'd had a scare with that penalty, and they could just sit there and say, OK, as long as it doesn't go 3 2, we're happy. 
So whereas we can come out and say that second half we were a lot better, we passed the ball a lot better, we were a lot shape-wise, we seemed to be a lot better. Well, we did, yeah, because Blackburn never never really wanted to come out and, and try and win the game. It, well, win the half, if you like. They'd already done the job, hadn't they? So, you know, they, they didn't need to do anything in that second half. If, if we played, if we'd had that performance and had that, I'm going to use this word very loosely, dominance in that second half that we did, uh, without really creating many chances. If we'd have done that and the game was nil-nil, or we were winning 1-0, then yeah, that, that's a real achievement. But you, we were playing against a team that were more than happy to make sure that we didn't get ourselves any further back in the game than we already had. No, and, and can I ask you a really short but simple question? What does, what does Johnson offer that Lewis Baker doesn't? Lewis Baker came into this team after his injury and seemed to have the, the you know the Lewis Baker back of old. He had one probably mediocre to poor game, and he was dropped straight away. What has Johnson done that Baker can't do? For a, for a start, Baker can take a better penalty than that. To be fair, the manager said, didn't he, that he was, he was looking for a reaction in training all week. Now, if Daniel Johnson's been buzzing around in training, playing, playing his A game, you know, really, you know, doing well and impressing, then he had to include him, I suppose, didn't he? I mean, that's if he's going to stand by his word and do as he says, you know, and keep the respect of the squad in that, you know, because by doing that, then, yeah, I suppose if, if he feels that he's been the most impressive player in training in that position, then that's what he had to do. I mean, he dropped Kundal. I wasn't for a moment thinking he would do. I was, I was impressed that he was that sort of cutthroat that... You know, his boy that he's brought in, kind of thing, and he's you know straight out the side. He's not, he's not sort of keeping him in, having any favourites or anything like that. You know, nobody, if anyone doesn't deserve to be there, he's not scared to to drop them as and throw them out. So, fair enough. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I was surprised to see Kundal dropped, and um, I mean, it's, it's one of them. He's probably got to have time to settle in. I don't think I'd, I'd say I've been overly inspired by by Kundal. I don't think he had a bad first first game. I actually, I think he was all right. Um, that that midfield, we've just not quite found that magic formula, that magic three uh, to to kind of line up yet. But um, Kieran, I'll bring you in in in, in two seconds. Uh, and in fact, no, I'll bring you in now, Kieran, so you can have a quick chat. I was going to move on to something still connected, but uh, I'll let you have your your say first. Uh, evening, Kieran. You okay? Are you uh, are you coping? <laughs> uh, I've got no words for that game whatsoever. Did you go today? No, um, I watched it. <laughs> I listened to it on the radio. To be fair, actually. But what what did you think of of the game? Then where where do you think this broke down? I mean, obviously, we mentioned about the team selection and the fact there was eight changes. Do you, do you see that as necessarily being a problem or or something that was really essential as far as you know breaking up the five 0 loss? I suppose. I thought he picked a um, a better team, but uh, I think out of everyone, I think it was only. Um, a Volterberger that actually is putting the effort in. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people said the same. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Berger's he's been like that, hasn't he? Though since since Shuey's come in, he's, he's. I think that's the one thing that you can say that not not just the one thing, but one of the main things that you can say about Schumacher since he's come in, he's really been able to to give Berger that almost free roll to a certain extent. He's he's built him with confidence, and I'm glad we've got someone of, of Berger's nature. You know, I think we talk about. You know the signing shortly uh, for for the January, but 
he's definitely one of the standout players, isn't he? And I think we'll be struggling to keep hold of him, I think, next season. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Emilia Manoff looked a bit uh, shaky, really, but you can't really blame him because it was only his his first game in England. So, But hopefully, as the games come thick and fashion the championship as we know he'll, he'll get up to speed yeah you've got you've got to give him time haven't you? I mean he's probably only trained a couple of times with with the lads anyway and you know he's naturally he's going to have to settle in and see where his best position is I think I'd, I'd probably agree with Schumacher from the bits that have seen I think he can play on both sides but um, probably his, his best position is is almost that Tyrese Gamble position for me I think it is going to be on the right so it'll be interesting to see how, how he does where, where where do you think we go from here? I mean, are, are you confident going into obviously QPR on Wednesday? After me, won't I? If it missins. <laughs> Interesting question for you, Kieran. Um, would you take obviously the gap the gap to get us to QPR is four points at the minute, so it's it's, it's a massive six point trend, and we are now the club above the relegation zone, aren't we? So, would you take a point if offered right now? just to make sure that we don't lose and that gap becomes one, would you be happy to take a point and keep it at four if it was offered right now? I would like a win. It's the pressure's off us a little bit, but to... And knowing how we how we Stoke operate on the pitch, it'll it most likely be a draw. Yeah, it's that end. It's like, is it a must win or a must not lose? It's like trying to work out which one it is. For me, I think... If we if we can get a win in that game, for me it sets it still even at this point sets up the rest of the season a bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, but um, um, when I was listening to the commentary, for when it was the penalty, um, from by the sounds of it, I don't think uh, Johnson looked like he was going to score. But uh, I think personally, I think it should have been a burger or. Or somebody to take it because um, Johnson is not a uh, um, a good penalty taker at the best of times, really. I think we need to find somebody more consistent. Um, to be honest with you, kind of on those penalty takers, which is why I think again, I think Baker offers us set pieces. He offers us, you know, again, he can take penalties, he can take free kicks. I think he can, you know, he can take corners. I think he personally just offers me more than Johnson. And um, just to clarify, Dan, it's it's three points, not four. If QPR beat us in the week, we go into the relegation zone on goal difference. So, um, yeah, <laughs> not 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 a great position um, to be in at all. But what what I'll just do, I was just going to run through some comments, Kieran. So give me one set, man. Feel free to ask, answer any of these if you want. Uh, so Kavner made it clear that DJ rewarded with a, a place today because of his work ethic and training. So that kind of backs up what Dan was saying there. Uh, Matthew Bocock says, we've got to go back to basics, try and make us hard to beat, defend our box better. I know he's got a way, uh, he's got a way he wants to play, but it's not working. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. I think we're, we're far too open for me, far, far too open. The amount of times there's gaps in that midfield as well as the obvious left-backs. Um, I mean, for me, it's quite obvious. Uh, it says, uh, so straight up and down, the point of doing a fancy run-up is to disguise your penalty. Johnson did it in completely telegraphed where he was going to put the ball, made it far too easy for the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought when I saw it, to be honest. Uh, Charlie Craven, not standard centre-back and left-back, may cost us our championship status. That should have been our priority going into the window. Rose and McNally aren't good enough, and Wilmot coming back from a bad injury and doesn't look match fit. Absolutely. Um, just 
Yeah, just absolutely. Uh, I know that Schumacher doesn't like him, but why not put Pierce in defensive midfield? Because at this point, it might be what's needed, said Harry. Uh, absolutely, mate. I Again, I'll talk about teams later on. But yeah, I mean, for me, I, I would definitely, we need to go down to two defensive midfielders because we, we need protection for that defence. It's as simple as that, we need it. And if that makes us a little bit more boring, then so be it. But I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Greenoff, I think, I may have, I'm not sure if I've read this out mate, already, but McNally and Rose, seven clean sheets and 14 starts together. Wilmot, no clean sheets in a back four yet, which absolutely means that he probably does need to be dropped. Lewis says it was better under Gallagher uh, when we were hard to beat. Uh, back four in five midfield, I think he means. Uh, Jack says we need to go back to basics, try and grind out uh, this season and get rid of this all-out attack stuff. See, I think the nature of I me, mean, Kieran, I don't know what you think. The nature of Shuey's football, though, is it's all very um, it's all very attacking, isn't it? That's just what he does. He seems to be this all-out attacking type of manager rather than a you know, a bit more of a solid back, you know, start with a solid defence and work your way forward. He seems to be a bit gung-ho for me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that's the, his nature, isn't it? Well, I think that's why it was brought in, really, wasn't it, really? Because under the other minds, it was very defensive, whereas Schumacher's like, it won't score like, more goals than you sort of thing. And um, and when um, and when I was watching the fans for him on uh, YouTube, I think John Coates... He looked like he had the life drained out of him, really, for for that for the questions. Yeah, he really he really did, and you can see that probably the, the stress is getting to him because you know at the end of the day, like that, he's got obviously Stoke's best interests at heart, hasn't he? It's as simple as that. You know, he has got the best interests at heart, and you know people can can point fingers and stuff like that. We we will come back to that one though, but yeah, yeah, there's absolutely uh, an element of that. Uh, Stokey Tom says thirteen conceded in four games, no home wins since October, least goals scored since November, top scorers five goals but only one since August. No way we all of a sudden start scoring and getting points. John, uh, so John, I'll uh, let you have a word in one second. I'm just going to catch up on a couple of these comments because we've had loads of them coming through, so I just don't want to leave everyone hanging too much. Uh, George says, how about we put all three of them in the back five system? It, yeah, that may be the way of stopping, especially down those kind of uh, fullback positions. Uh, but John, I'll, I'll come to you uh, now, mate. We'll catch up with some more of the comments in a minute. Give us your thoughts. Where, where's your head at at the minute? John, might have lost connection. We'll come back to you. I'm sure you'll come back to us in a minute. Dan, I think just wanted to, to kind of ask quickly again uh, for yourself, mate, if, if you don't mind. So there's obviously a lot of things at the end of the game. There was chance from the crowd of, you know, you're not fit to wear the shirt. Now, I don't think, I haven't seen all the videos, not seen every single angle on all this, right? So can you answer for me, was that aimed at Burger or was that aimed at the people behind Burger? My first thought was it's for the people behind Burger personally. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think, as, as angry as that, these Stokes fans there were, and, and as much as they were at a point that they were insistent on getting across, I don't think any of them would have directed it specifically at Walter Berger. I, I think he, he, if anybody, is, um, even in the recent weeks, um, when it's all been falling apart, the wheels have come off, It's he has been the one shining light, hasn't he? So... I don't think anybody is going to be criticising him, to, especially to that that level. Um, I think it was just directed at them as a unit, as a group. Um, 
but it's it's a difficult situation. I, I don't see. I understand that play people fans are frustrated. They need to get off the chest. They feel they need to vent. But if they go down there Wednesday night and they just do that, the second that the, the, there's a misplaced pass or God forbid we go one 0 down, if all of a sudden there's booze ringing around and there's disgruntled thing and you know and you can hear the moaning, the groaning, what's going to happen to this team? Because we know we know that they are so fragile at the minute. Their confidence is shot. They are a very young side. They are lacking leaders. So what they need more than anything, they need the fans behind them. And it's a real, and I'm not criticising the fans, don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a really, really difficult situation because right now the fans feel they need to vent and to get their frustration across. But if anything, this team and these players need those supporters more than any other time right now because they need them to help pull them through this lull. Otherwise, it's just going to get worse. Well, you mentioned about pulling through this lull. I guess, I mean, this is for you or down whichever one of you, but one of the questions I heard earlier was, do we have a, anyone in this team's, team is willing to fight? When you're going through a relegation battle, as we absolutely are, and people should be under no illusions, like I don't think they are, we are in a relegation battle. It's as simple as that, right? So when you go into those... We you need you need battlers you need people who are going to be just getting you know getting the game and scuff scuff the neck and getting you through it one way or another. When I look across this team, who who has those capabilities? Now, just off the top of my head, I'd say Ben Pearson absolutely uh, has that for me. I think Pearson has that ability. I don't know why he's not a favourite. I know he's had some poor games. I totally get that. But I think he would get you through that. I think Baker would get you through uh, that as well. I really do. I actually think, <laughs> I actually think beyond that, Berger is, an, is another one that I think will, will try and drag you through games. Is there anyone else you can think of? I'm, I'm trying to imagine the, the team I'm struggling. For me, I think... The issue Stoke have had at the minute is that every, you know, a lot of Stoke fans, the majority of Stoke fans, you would say, the same three names pop up recently in terms of players who are playing with a bit of spirit, playing with a bit of fight, and they are Berger, Jono, and Junior. Junior, actually, you know, to be balanced and to be fair, I think he had a bit of a shocker today. <laughs> I think he was well off the pace and he was, you know, he was really, really bad. Especially that first half, he was terrible. But we'll allow him that. He's a young lad losing the game. The point I'm going to make now is those who get them three players, Junior is just turned 20. Juno, 20. Valtteri is 22. Really? You're not telling me that there's, if those three can do it, if those three young lads can do it, then why? Where's the experienced pro- pros coming in and taking charge? Yeah, it shouldn't be on the twenty-year-olds and twenty-one-year-olds to try and sort out this mess necessarily. We should have we should have better players than that, and also not just on the pitch. We should have better players off the pitch to try and drag people through this situation. And I bloody hope we've got it. And I know that's not something that you can that you can see in terms of visibly see, but I really hope we have that in this squad. Because we we are going to need it. I mean, Kieran Clark's got lots of experience. Yeah, he clearly isn't again on the pitch, but it's people like that who should be, you know, getting involved and and pulling people together. So I understand what you're saying about the fans. Yeah, Wednesday 
I know what you're saying about bringing people together and people supporting the team. I think this club and these players have had a hell of a lot of support. I think in previous seasons we may have been a far more toxic than than actually I expected. Uh, we've, we're probably having a worse season we've, we've probably had for some time. And I think we've been more toxic previously, if I'm honest with you. So I think there's a lot of apathy around. I think the away fans visibly you know, stressed how they were feeling today. But I think largely at home... It's been quite apathetic, if I'm honest. People are just going there, shrugging the shoulders. I've seen several people. We've had a few comments already. I've just popped up at the notification saying they're not going on Wednesday. So I know it's easy to go and turn around and say, right, we should go on Wednesday and support them, etc. But you can totally understand why people are, you know, the, the finishing work, the go, the, you know, the, they had a long day at work. People actually don't want to go to the football because at the minute the football is the one thing that's getting them down, which is such a sorry state of affairs, really. John, I'll let you come in now. Hopefully your, your internet signal is uh, back with us. Uh, yeah, it's back on now, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling anyway? Hopefully not as doom and gloom as, as I oh. am at the minute. <laughs> I, I'm not far off. I'm not far off. I just, I just can't understand why where it's going wrong because it just seems like an endless vicious cycle uh, <clears throat> we were in this exact same position practically this time last year well maybe a few months earlier and then he turned it around and gave us a bit of belief and, and confidence that under alex neil then he had the big summer and a big overhaul the early promise of the start of the season, and it just seems like it's gone tits up again. <clears throat> and racking my brain over over where you think it, where you can think it could go wrong. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, you think is it the players? Is you get to the management, and then you think is it the recruitment, the training methods, attitude? You know. For me, I, I think it starts. I think you've, you've got to look at this, right? Well, we've had what ninety odd players in the last five or six seasons, or whatever it is, and we've had obviously another nineteen now. For me, this starts with the recruitment. Uh, I think the recruitment team have got to take the blame here. I think to for us to come and blame Schumacher, I think that would be so harsh. He's yeah, no. he's brought in Manhoof. I mean, be, beyond that. This he, he is again a bit like Christ. The last few managers, they're always dealing with someone else's players, and I think he's in exactly that position now, mate. So I think you know Jared and Ricky, the book starts mm. for me. Now people will go, yeah, John needs to bring in a proper technical director, someone who has proven quality experience. I to- I don't disagree with that. I do think yeah. that's a good decision, but the, we. They have got, I mean, I'm not laying this at John's door because I think he writes the checks and I think he could be a bit more, I think he could be a bit more savvy with the people he's employing is, is my initial reaction to that, mate. But I think yeah. we have to put the blame at Ricky's door and it's and it, uh, Jared's door because to sign 19 players, you're never going to get all of them working. But I expect more than Berger, Juno, Junior. <sighs> Is there any more that you can say that have been great after out of the nineteen? I'm really struggling. Yeah. There is an element of some of these signings that uh, that you have to think were made by Alex Neal as well. I mean, Daniel Johnson, Ben Pearson. I would say I know he's not been bad, but he's he's been a bit underwhelming this season. They're definitely Alex Neal's signings. So you do wonder whether where the book sort of stops where it's where it comes to recruitment. 
<clears throat> and I do have to wonder how much responsibility is there with um, with Schumacher in terms of involvement in this recruitment because he's brought in Lee Kundal, who we worked with at Plymouth, and he's been a bit very underwhelming as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, there's absolutely a fair point there. I mean, my my comment of the day about whether, well, Schumacher's coming in from, I don't want to be disrespectful to Plymouth, but they're a smaller club, right? Um, I think he's coming in from from that nature. And I, I'm yet to see whether he sees us as, as a bigger club or he loves being this smaller underdog. I, I don't know. I, 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 we need to see that. There's no proof of that. But I just wonder whether Kundal's even a cha- you know proper championship standard. But then you go to his, his stats and say, well, did he score four and assisted five for Plymouth? So he couldn't have been that bad. So there, there must be some quality there that he's obviously seen and he's got someone he trusts. But like I say, if he's not playing him a couple of games, is it could be just simply he's not settled in and maybe next season we'll see something better. But um, yeah, I think that the book stops with the recruitment team for me. This is this isn't a, a mis- this isn't a, a blip. You know, we mm. it's it's, just, it's John's going to have to make a strong decision now. I people say, "Oh, get rid of Ricky now." You know, the, quite simply, what's the point? Because yeah. Ricky, the, the damage is done now. We need to try and make the most of it and somehow stay up this season. Now, next season, yeah, we can make a change if we want to in that department. Um, I'm not sure what anyone else thinks listening to this. You're welcome to leave your comments. There's a ton I've not got through yet. But, um, yeah, the book stops with with Ricky and the recruitment team, as far as I'm concerned right now. Uh, so I'm just going to bring in uh, Jack. So sorry, Jack, I know you've been waiting for a little a little time, mate. Uh, listening to my rant, no doubt. But uh, you're welcome to you're welcome to jump in with any thoughts, mate. Well, I, I think personally, right. I'm looking at the club and I'm looking at John Coates and the decisions that have been made over the last, you know, since since we've come down, and we're lacking. You know, the the only manager that we've brought in with the experience of the situation we were was Gary Rowett. We brought him in. You know, we were looking to go up. We'd just come down and he had a good squad. Then we brought Nathan Jones in. He had never actually fully been with a team that was relegation threatened, that was struggling. He'd only ever been with a team that was on the up. Michael O'Neill, as good as he is, never had been with a club football team. And then you get Alex Neal, had, had been with Norwich and he was on the up. He'd been with Sunderland and they were on the up. And now we've got um, Schumacher again, who... When he took over Plymouth, they were on their up. He's never been in a situation where he has to think, what do I do now the players aren't doing well? What do I do now the players aren't looking good? You know, how do I fix this? And I'm I'm wondering where the recruitment's been when it comes to hiring managers. You know, some people, you know, you call them relegation specialists because they know how to get a team out of these situations. Do you think Schumacher was a gamble? It, it could be. I mean, he's a young manager... But I'm seeing, you know, it's it's only short time he's been here, so you can't judge it. You know, you can't you can't judge a puck after reading the first page. No. But it, it, he's young, and I don't know if he's got the experience to know what to do. I looked at the squad today, and I, 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 loads of people around me were saying they don't want to be here. But that's not what I was seeing. I was just seeing a lack of understanding of the tactical system, a lack of understanding of where they should be on the pitch. I mean, the second goal, I was watching Gucci's positioning. And the guy's on the penalty spot when when the balls come back across. And I'm thinking, you're playing left back. How have you ended up there? You know, I just, I don't know if 
he knows exactly what to do in this situation. And I'm not calling for him to be sacked because it, it, it's too soon. But I just think, you know, he has to find a way of making this team simple to grind out now and till the end of the season. Because if we keep playing this all-out attacking football or this fancy football, it, it's not going to go well. You know, we're not going to see any improvement because I don't think the players understand what he wants yet. Do you know, do you know what, though? I, I think that maybe we need, we do need to stick with, maybe not the full <laughs> the full Stephen Schumacher experience, if you like, but maybe find some common ground where we're still being progressive, we're still being attack-minded and still be, being on the front foot and looking to play our way because... We were talking before with me a few minutes ago about like fighters and your relationship battle. You need to fight your way out of it, and we've come to the conclusion. I think I think we can all pretty much say that we are struggling for people who will fight out of a relegation battle. So, if we haven't got the fighters, then we need to play our way out. If we've got players, not fighters, then we need to play our way out. That's the best way to approach the situation. Surely, is to play to our strengths. Maybe at the minute we are a bit too far past that and we just need to rein the play in a little bit. Um, maybe he's overcomplicating things it, it all in one go for the players. But again, I mean, I know it, the defeats are starting to catch up now with the games that we win, but it, before this run of defeats, you know, we, he had a great start and we were looking good. We were creating a load of chances, even up until the last two games. I think the players' heads have severely dropped the Leicester and then and today. And I think before that, like I say, we were suddenly even as, as recent as Sunderland, how many chances were we creating and we were going forward and, you know, um, down the wings through the middle, you know, creating opportunity after opportunity, we just weren't putting away. That was the issue. And it was so it's like, well, the issue isn't so much how we are um, going forward now we're attacking. Maybe the issue was shoring up the defence a bit yes definitely agree that but if we were putting our chances away we could have just been a bit like Kevin Keegan's Newcastle Cup where we were just winning games 4-3 <laughs> um, so I, but I, like I say if we haven't got the fighters I do think maybe we just need to carry on with the play and play our way out of the situation we've got ourselves into are we even capable though Dan of playing ourselves out of this position because if well, we can't fighting now are we so we've got no other choice really <laughs> Well, I, I've already said what I'd do. I've already said that I would go two defensive midfielders uh, or even even agree with some of the comments. We'll go to a back five. We need to keep them out. If it means we have to pick up a point and a point and then we'll lose two or three and then a point again, we, we need to stop. We need to get a point here and there just to add that tally on because like Lewis has said, it's not just QPR. Sheffield Wednesday are three points. Uh, you know, If they win, we're three points off second bottom. There's more than just QPR to worry about now. Sheffield Wednesday, guys, for flipping hell. Like the, the thing is, although well, when you say like you're looking who's there, Sheffield Wednesday recruited for a relegation battle, then they or to stay up, expecting to be down, maybe down that end. Rotherham will have done. Uh, Huddersfield will have done. Um, you probably you could you could suggest that maybe in the summer John used to stay at Birmingham his first thoughts were I need a team to stay up he once he only had a great start but you know the summer they would have been thinking first things first as we stay up and we, we are solid go from there um 
you look at the teams being dragged into it, who are currently, well, before today, Blackburn, Stoke, Swansea, another one, who are being pulled right down. Um, Millwall, haven't been in, you know, they are right in the thick of it and haven't been for a good few years under Rowett. Four teams who probably didn't expect to be down there, shall we say, and maybe haven't recruited players who would be there for a relegation battle, maybe looking towards the, the top end of the table rather than the bottom. So, at the minute, we've just, like you say, Sheffield Wednesday are hovering there, but, yeah, I mean, it's one, there's one spot at the minute, let's just hope that they don't join us and make it two. <laughs> um, we've just got to be, make sure that we aren't the one out of about seven clubs that, that fill it, haven't we? I saw a tweet earlier, and uh, it, it was something I actually agreed with him. I was, I was on the coach with my granddad on the way back from the game. And it says, for the last couple of years, when we've been in this situation, there's been five or six clubs in that relegation battle and we've been the best of the five or six clubs. Now we're in the bottom three of the five or six clubs that are involved in the relegation battle. We we, uh, we can't pick form up. We've won two in 18, which is it's lower than relegation form. You know, it's bottom of the table form. And... Yeah. There's, there's got to be some way, you know, there's got to be some way that we've got to find results. And, you know, Schumacher's the man that's now got to figure that out between now and Sheffield, uh, not Sheffield, QPR. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it. Yeah, I think we, they need to start games better, don't we? Do you think Do you think that's where we're going wrong? Because in, this, in the Championship, scoring the first goal is massive. And how many games... If you look at the teams who scored the first goal and how they go on to results, we said it in the preview, and we Blackburn six times they conceded the first goal at home this season, six defeats. We have conceded the first goal at home seven times this season. We haven't even come back to equalise once. So we haven't even got on level terms. Even if we've gone on to lose the game, we haven't even got level to then lose. So that just shows how vital the first goal is. And I think recently, the last few weeks, we've started games so sloppily, so poorly. That that for me probably needs to be the first thing we need to do is, you know, get them switched on from minute one. Yeah, well, it's it, it's a fair point. And I'm just going to run through some comments because we've got a bit of a backlog. Uh, Jack, you're welcome to... In fact, Jack, I'm going to ask you first and then you're welcome to stay on, mate. Um, wh- what do you do Wednesday, personally? If, if, if you're the manager, what do you do? And what's your team? What's your setup? Well, for me, it's what I would have done today going in because, you know, the, the, we're looking at this game and I thought this game was really similar to Sunderland. We've got a team that we were playing. They're in disarray. They fell apart. The owner, the, the, you know, you've got the whole problem with the Venkies and Sunderland, you know, going into that game, Mowbray was being called for the sack. Um, so I thought it was very similar game. And if we got the first goal, we could have took that game by the scruff of the neck. But we, we went in and like you said, we just didn't start well, you know, Straight away, they were on us. Seven minutes in, we were a goal down. I'm not sure when the second goal came, but it was pretty soon after, and the heads were down. I was watching Berger running around the midfield, screaming at the back line, screaming at the forwards. and watching Everson every time the balls come in the box, screaming at the defenders. You know, and you're just thinking, they've got, you know, somebody, you've, you can clearly see there on the pitch, two players trying to push them on. Where's, where, why aren't they reacting? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, mate. I think you, you, you think you're spot on. We, we need to, we we need something out Wednesday. Simple as that. We need something out Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to ask you, mate, like I say, you're welcome to stay on in case any more comments come up. But 
if I was to ask you now, do we stay up, yes or no? It it depends on Wednesday. It really depends <laughs> on Wednesday. If I'll we win, know. if we win, I genuinely think there's a chance. I think, you know, I, I do think we've got some actual decent players in this team. Some of the top half of the league players, you know, I know what everyone said about Baker, but I still think there's a quality player in there some somewhere. Berger is clearly, I mean, you know, we all know he's probably gone in the summer. He's the, one of the, he's the best player at the club, and he's one of the better midfielders in the league. Um, you know, we, we've got John O, who again today he's finally added himself to the contribution sheet because we've been, you know, we've been talking about he, he's great at dribbling, he creates chances, but he hasn't got on the contributions today. He finally did that, and that hopefully is a huge relief for him and will allow him to get more assists. We've got, you know, and, and then we've got a few other players in there, Vidigal. You know, he was fantastic the first seven games. And then he just hit a brick wall. Um, we've got Wilmot, who for the last two seasons has been fantastic. And then ever since, and I'm not sure if this is a confidence thing, but ever since he did his knee off that goalpost, cannot find the same form. Um, we've got McNally, who, when he was coming to us, everyone was telling us, this is a fantastic player. I mean, I'm yet to see that, but it should be there. Um, you know, and then you, you're looking at this man who is meant to be one of the, you know, he's meant to be the player to take us forward in the future. Hoover, we we saw last season what he can do. Why he hasn't hit that form this season, I don't know. Um, so there should be the players in the side to keep us up. It's just about whether we can get that result on Wednesday, because I think if we lose on Wednesday, I think the heads drop and the players will just... I don't think they can recover the confidence. No, I think I think you're right. We we we've got to get a win on on Wednesday, um, because I think we will beat Huddersfield when we play them. I know they had a really good effort today, actually. Uh, you know, on another day they they win that. Um, so I think they they've got clearly they've got some fighters in there. They have got some goals with them as well. So, but yeah, I'm going to run through the comments. Make you say you're welcome to stay with us. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, sorry guys, there's been an absolute ton of comments. So uh, Gary says it's not hard to see why Plymouth rarely won away under Schumacher. One-on-one defense is risky at the best of times. Yet alone with the defense that we have, Jonathan Davis says I'm, I'm I'm amazed that he made it so complicated given the game situation. It was a clown and glory. Uh, Dan said they've had an unwavering support for a number of years and they haven't performed. They've actually been very lucky that we haven't turned like like this sooner. So getting the abuse at QPR, it starts off, uh, it's no different. Uh, so as Chad says, yeah, I totally agree. Best thing we can do on Wednesday is make as much noise as possible and get behind them. So like, yeah, you're affecting the players, aren't you, by, by being sort of, you know, booing or getting on the backs, whatever, because of seven years of, of being crap, for example. But how many of these players and this manager have been here for seven years or any length of time? We have we have this, you know, 95% of this squad joined in the summer. So I understand that people are frustrated. I'm as frustrated as everyone else, but it's is it fair to lump that seven years of of being annoyed and regression and whatever on players and a manager who've just walked through the door? Because if you do that you're just going to repeat the cycle. We just end up repeating the cycle again and again and again, and we'll never break it. We'll never get back to anything positive because we are, even when we are thinking positive, we are one step away from being dragged back into that negative mindset of we're crap, we've been crap for seven years, and we're just going to go back that way and boo all of you because that's what we are, this club. And 
do you know what I mean? The play, the people who have done that over the last six or seven years have left now. They've all gone. So they're the ones that we should be annoyed with, or whatever. They're the ones who should be booing. They, but they, they're all out the door, bar one or you know one or two. You really looking at? Yeah, I think someone's just actually tweeted that you've uh, you've got a a good point <laughs> there actually. Um, let me just bring in Rob Adcock. Adcock, one second for me. Evening, Rob. You okay? Hello. Sorry about that. Every time I um, try and talk, it disappears. Good old Twitter spaces. Um, what an interesting day. Yeah, not kind of how we wanted to go, eh? <laughs> no. Um, it was just, it was the strangest performance I've seen. I've not been there for the last couple of weeks. And uh, Angela and Sahail and I have been driving back from Blackburn tonight. And it was the... I don't even know where to begin. There's just there's so much to talk about from the point of just how bad the performance was. There was no fight. I know that's what you've both been saying all the way through, but there was just nothing really that gives you any confidence for the next couple of games that you think actually that's where the goals are going to come from. So it's just been interesting to hear everyone's opinions on it all tonight. What's your opinion on where this is falling down for Stoke at the minute? I mean, again, there was a, by the way, a fantastic praise and grumble. Uh, I must admit, I think, you know, Andrew's was great as well. Um, where, where, where do you actually think this, this broke down? <laughs> um, I don't know if my, I don't know if I should give an opinion on uh, exactly where, where my where I think it happens, uh, I think there's quite a few different theories. I think uh, you look at the recruitment. It's clear that some of the players that have come in just aren't good enough. It's clear to see that uh, there are positions that could be stronger and that should be stronger. It feels like there's quite a few attacking midfielders, um, but we don't know exactly who the best ones are. I don't think I was saying this to Angela and Sale on the way back. I don't think I've seen two centre-backs where I think they're the natural two they're the two that you go right okay we're going to hang our hat on those two players and they're going to be the, the spine of the team you hear Dennis Smith talk a lot about the midfield a good striker a goalkeeper and then a good couple of defenders but I don't know who those two are for Stoke in my opinion um, so you've got to look at the recruitment and think to yourself why have those players not come in and why have others people come in um, Valterberger obviously gets a lot of praise because he's a fantastic footballer but there are lots of players there when when you saw Wesley coming on towards the end you think to yourself what have we seen that think makes you think he's going to score but then you look at Stephen Schumacher who must be pulling his hair out thinking well who have I got because there just aren't players there that you think actually they, they're going to spring up at the moment and score as goals it's I just don't know if we, I just don't know if you're John Coates now what are you thinking because Ultimately, something's got to change. He's not, he can't get rid of the manager. Well, he can get rid of the manager. We know he can get rid of the manager, but he can't because if he gets rid of the manager this soon in, what does that say? And like you said earlier on, this is a point we've made, a lot of people lay the, the blame at the recruitment. So ultimately, that is Ricky Martin from his own admissions. That's what he said. He said that. He said, that the book stops with me. I'm the person who authorises these transfers. But that's not going to change anything. If he leaves tomorrow, that's not going to change anything. So what do you do? How do you get the motivation out of those players to make sure that they stay up? Because they are they're in a real relegation battle now. I've said this a few times today. I've not seen them for three weeks and when I picked Angela and Sahail up at ten o'clock this morning, they were really down. And I thought to myself, I can't remember I, when I left it wasn't this bad. Last game I saw was Rotherham. And Within 20 minutes, you think this is why they were 
naffed off because it's just completely changed and I don't know why that is. So, if you're John Coates, I think the big, I think this massive pressure on now because if he doesn't do something, they are going to be bang in trouble come to the end of the season. No, I, I, th- I think you're right. I think we've we, we we need we need to change something. I say I think I think maybe we need to maybe adjust the formation a little bit. A few people have suggested going five at the back. Um, I. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I the, my problem is I don't think we've got the actual defensive cover if something goes wrong there. I think that's my only concern with that one. I think the likes of Ender Stevens was probably, I wouldn't say it was a, necessarily a, a bad decision, but he's obviously got a very big injury record. Uh, that's clearly you know, an issue. He's probably not going to play more uh, very much for, for his, the rest of the season. So I think we need to look at... At those fighters, you know, Dan, I'm not sure if you've got anything to see off the back of that, what Rob's been saying there, but I, I, ju- I just worry. Oh, sorry, Jack, one. Sorry. Um, I didn't mean to unmute my mic, but I was thinking of a, uh, I was thinking of a follow-up to that anyway. Um, going back to, of course, Ender Stevens is uh, we played Rotherham in the cup and beat them 6-1 and Josh Tymon played that game and he was fantastic and it was against a very poor Rotherham side. But going back and looking at that game, is he? I know he wasn't a. Some people he wasn't a fan favorite. Some people loved him, but is he a player we should have kept? You know, going into looking at the squad, looking at the depth overall, because Josh Timon was a player that could, you know, he could get down the wing and attack from the left back position, but he had a bit of a problem coming back. But when it comes to depth, would that really matter? Because now we've spent the entire season with a makeshift makeshift left back with Jordan Thompson, and he's done as much as he can. But you know, it, it's just really poor, really. Because players out the door are interesting, one, aren't they? Because ultimately, we don't know the finances. So it might have been one of those where the money that came into the club might have really helped with FFP. One of the things I thought that we mentioned earlier on that is really, really interesting is what Peter Coates didn't, sorry, John Coates didn't, didn't say on Thursday night at the fans forum about what the changes could be to PSR because if the, this is a long way from where we are now, obviously I appreciate that people aren't willing to talk about that now because there's bigger issues at this moment in time. But if, if Stoke can stay in the league this season and those changes do come in, it's going to be a completely different club because if the changes come in and you can spend the owner's money, it's going to be, you can't see how the good times aren't going to come back to Stoke, but that's a long way away from where we are now. But but that sale in particular, I don't know the ins and outs of the finances, but you just never know with a football club how much they need that for FFP and to keep the books balanced. But again, sorry to cross you, Jack, I don't know. It's just one of those plays. Whenever a player leaves any club now, it's like when Cole Palmer left Man City, you just never know what the reason behind it is ultimately, do you? It makes you wonder though, doesn't it? I, I agree with what you're saying, Jack, around time and also where uh, Doherty, who's now at Luton, apparently he wasn't good enough. And look, look at him now. Uh, you know, the amount of players that leave this club sometimes and go on to, to better things is quite scary at times. Now, there's obviously a lot that don't, let's be honest. There's not, it's not a string of players going to bigger and better things. I think one of the comments that I think maybe Ange mentioned earlier on actually was the fact that we've got all this money. Are we attracting the wrong type of yeah. players? People who think we are here for a nice payday and it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference if they don't make it because well they've gone and got themselves 15 20 grand a week and they know they just get the contract paid up i think that was a good comment because 
I think back in the day, someone mentioned, you know, Tony Pulis, right, as director of football. Now, whether you believe that is the right thing or not, I actually think that's the type of personality that you need. Someone who is going to be right. I take no more crap now. You come in, you perform, or you're out the door. We need that type of a personality. So I don't think that was actually a bad call, to be honest. But yeah, I think if if we didn't have this money, we'd have a bunch of players who were not there for financial reasons. They're there because okay, you might see us as a stepping stone to something else. But I think we'd have a team for fighters. I think money does sometimes cloud it. So I don't think that was actually a bad comment. Um, so I've had a number of comments. I mean, Rob, you're welcome to, to stay on with with us, mate. Um, so uh, John Dow said, "There's no due diligence being done with signings. Can can tell these signings are data slash video analysis driven." Burger's the only one with a bit of character. Does anyone talk to these players before we sign them to work out if they're fit to play for a working-class football club? Uh, Mark Hollison says, uh, was a punt made without significant due diligence? Another one, actually, that's quite uh, amusing. Bottom line is, if we don't keep clean sheets, uh, we won't win games. Nothing more or less to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then Matt says, for me, it's not Schumacher's fault, but he's had the same breed of managers we've had since going down bar Michael O'Neill. Young playing British managers afraid of getting it wrong with no proper experience or personality. Yeah, there are a load more comments. I mean, Dan, is there anything else you want to mention at all with with Rob or Jack before I move on? Uh, No, you've you've all covered it really well there, to be honest. I've just just been enjoying listening (laughs) for once. Um, Yeah, yeah. I say just some really good points that I made. Uh, Sam says, still angry. Kevin Smith, do we think the behind-the-scenes player issues were more than just Ryan May? Uh, if I'm honest with you, I don't, Kevin. Uh, if I'm, I mean, there'll, there'll, always be, there'll always be people who aren't happy and not playing and stuff like that. I think one thing I could say about Shiri, it seems to be proven that if you don't pull your weight and you don't hit your standards, then you don't play. I think that's one side of that that I do actually quite like. So, yeah, Luke, I think going into Wednesday... We absolutely need to get something out of it. it there's, there's no question about it. It's really, really serious squeaky bum time. We need the tide to turn, don't we, for our own sanity as much as anything else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're, we're accused of being too, uh, too, too happy, and now we're going to be accused of being too miserable. So uh, <laughs> we'll soon I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See. So, uh, Mr Buxton, I believe there's been a couple of bits going on more around the, the youth side uh, at the time of recording. I think we've just finished, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not long ago, mate. Uh, so the under-18s, their game yesterday away at Leeds was postponed. Uh, no surprise there, really, with the weather as they're going on. Uh, the next scheduled game for them now isn't until the 24th, 24th of Feb, when they go away to Derby. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's the next game for the under-18s. Now, the under-21s, they did manage to get their game on this weekend. 
And that's the one that's just finished. Well, one of the two then in the women. So the under-21s, they lost 3-1 away at Liverpool. Um, so Will Smith actually gives out the lead in the 11th minute. Uh, but Liverpool hit back, equalised just before half-time and then went to win the second half to run out 3-1 winners. Uh, the next game for the under-21s is Monday when they are home to Brighton. 2pm kickoff at Clayton Wood. Um, so yes, that will be next Monday. Obviously, if you're listening to this on the day of release, we're not making them play twice in two days quiet. Uh, the women, they had a good week there as well this Sunday. They've won 4-1 at home to Stourbridge. So Stutty, a brace for Jordan, and then a goal for Higginbottom as well. Even the goalkeeper Stoke even saved a penalty, so great stuff, you know, can't fault that one. Uh, back to winning ways for the women's team after, uh, you know, last weekend's uh, defeat in the uh, in the Staff Senior Cup. Uh, and the next game for them, though, isn't until the 10th of March. So I know they have had a few postponements, so they'll probably try and fit, you know, at least uh, one, maybe two of them in between now and then. But yeah, at the minute, as it stands, 10th of March is down as the uh, the state women's next game. Now, mate, unfortunately, we're going to have to pass on to some sad news now. Um, now, the club obviously mentioned it on Saturday. And it sort of broke through Friday night that former Stoke skipper Peter Hannyside had passed away at the age of 49. Now, obviously, he captained Stoke to uh, the 2002 Division Two playoff uh, victory, got his promotion, obviously. And uh, I know he's he's very much sort of one of your childhood heroes, isn't it? So uh, I'm going to pass over to you now, mate, and let you just say a few words on uh, say one of your... Uh, childhood heroes. No, cheers, mate. Like I say, yeah, it was, you're right. I think it was him and Sergei Stanyuk who were, uh, uh, I mean, growing up, you know, me getting into Stoke City, my dad took me obviously when I was younger and, uh, you know, it's people like him and, and Sergei and, you know, a, a number of different people. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he was he was a model professional. You you think about, you know, a good old-fashioned centre-back and, and also, Probably, you know, he probably wasn't the best of the two. I mean, Sergi was was great, but they they complemented each other really, really well. And I know that when I think about people who stick in my mind from my kind of youth, it was Peter Thorne, Sergi Stanyuk, and Peter Handyside. Uh, three of those individuals very much at the forefront. So, I mean, forty nine. It, it, it's no age to no age to pass away. We won't obviously speculate on on how it's come about, but uh, far far too. Uh, soon to be honest and and like you said you know he's he had a pretty decent career with us I think he was 88 games for us I think he was over 200 for Grimsby um, but yeah look, he, he played a lot of games for us he, I think he only scored one goal which I think was in the FA Cup if I'm not mistaken so um, you know, he wasn't exactly your prolific goal scoring centre back but again just someone who was reliable he'd run through a brick wall he would do everything in the right way he'd conduct himself in the right way you'd never see him in the papers for you know a stupid comment or anything along those lines so just really you know a, a top class professional and I guess really if you want to think about partnerships, I'd say him and Sergi were the modern day Huth and Shawcross. Um, that's the only way that I can possibly describe it to someone who hasn't really met or even ever seen him play. Um, so I, I'd say, yeah, an absolute, an absolute shame. And I think one thing I would say is, you know, we put some posts out on the Twitter feed that obviously blew up, and and I'm glad they did because we've spoken in the past. We we've seen different people talk about, you know, standard ovations for different Stoke fans and stuff that pass away. Um, and obviously they're absolutely justified. But at the same time, for me, 
this now is when I think we need to try and do something for you know for Peter Handyside and obviously you know his family and stuff like that. Now I don't know what the club have got planned, but obviously on my post I put out there he wore the number four uh, for Stoke. So I think against QPR, if everyone can just get involved, just give a bit of an applause on that fourth minute. Uh, I think you know that's the least he deserves. Without players like him and without the contribution that he made, we would never have beaten Brentford. Um, in, in obviously that promotion run and who knows where we would have been if we wouldn't have gone up that season so um, yeah just for me Luke just and, and for the family and everything like that just chuck a chuck your applause in there fourth minute I, I think it's the least he deserves for his impact he had in the club I guess that's what I can really say about that Dan to be honest but yeah a, a real shame and if I'm honest I can't believe he was only 49 if I'm I mean that makes me feel really old if I'm, <laughs> if I'm honest with you yeah well said I thought you had a really cracking idea there with what you put on over the socials and stuff. And like I say, it did blow up. So hopefully Wayne's got out enough. And uh, yeah, maybe even the club, the club might see it and decide to try and promote something themselves along that line. And if anyone is listening, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they're more than welcome to take the reins with that. And, you know, um, we're not going to feel like, oh, you nicked our idea. Like that. You know, the, the main thing is that, um, like I say, he gets a bit of sort of respect and and people get to pay the respects in, in the what is now becoming a traditional footballing way, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. I think I think it's the right way to do it. I don't think a silence is, is what I'd want. So if the club are planning anything, don't do a silence. I don't think that's that for me is not the way of celebrating um someone who, who's passed it for money with you everyone's got their own opinion. But yeah, I think an applause for appreciating what he did is far more apt. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we don't do much more in the way of news uh, on these midweek pods. Um, so I think that's pretty much everything, unless you've got anything else to add, Dan. No, I think it's time for the crunch. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about QPR. So, Mr. Buxton, uh, QPR, oh my word, this is probably one of the biggest games since we got relegated for me. Um, this this could not go wrong. As I've said earlier on, we came into this game, hopefully off the back of a Blackburn win, or at least a point out of it. We've obviously come away with nothing. QPR are down there. They're a team that are quite still quite resolute. You know, they've just picked up a point against Norwich. They could have very well have won that game. So they're going to have a bit of confidence. And we absolutely must, and I'm not saying this lightly, we must get three points. Because I am really concerned if we do not where we're going to be in a matter of weeks. If we lose this game and QPR obviously beat us, we will go into the bottom three. So not a game to be taken lightly. They're gonna you know the players are going to need us on Wednesday. And I know we've all had a moan, we've had a whinge, we all might not think that they're playing well, etc. But I think if we go in there and we're absolutely silent for 90 minutes and if things go wrong, Dan, the worst thing we could possibly do is just go silent on them because I think they will crumble. Well, I think not even go silent. I think if you start, if there's misplaced passes, missed chances, defensive mistakes, God forbid we go behind and the crowd turn and start booing and jeering. and You see some of the um, Stoker... SH1Ts, these videos, people were chanting that at Blackburn and, you know, getting on Daniel Johnson's back and chants and stuff. That thing, although 
might seem comical, might seem great at a time, and you're getting it off your chest. It's not helping, you know, to be honest. If you want to support us, if you want your team to stay in the championship, if you want us to stay up, you've got to, we've got to get behind them. And we keep repeating it. I fully understand the frustrations. I fully understand people's want and need to vent. Um, and, and, you know, but it, it, the thing is, if by st- sticking with them, we've always been a 12th man at Stoke. There's always been a great crowd. There's always been a crowd that's stuck behind them. And, you know, this podcast is named Every Step Along the Way after a song that was sung in 1972. And when they put the squad out, you know, we'll be with you every step along the way. Not we'll be with you when the going's good and when we're fighting relegation, we'll be booing and hissing at you. That's not what the song says, is it? <laughs> it's you know, we, that's it, that's what this club is about. It's not, it's not always plain sailing, and at the minute, it really isn't plain sailing. But yeah, we need to stick together. We need those players need our support as badly as they're playing, as as lacking of confidence as they are. They need us because we they need an extra man because at the minute they aren't playing as eleven, are they? They're playing with less you know, because of the lack of confidence so we need to make that up in this, from the stands I think important we, we need to do it from the off as well don't wait for them players to yeah. actually give us something to shout about because I think they are going to go into that game we all know that our form is shocking and I think it's shocking because those those players are scared shitless to be honest going into this game I, I think I think they're really worried every time they're playing at home because they know like you say you, know, you one miss plays pass and people are on the backs. I think this is a game where we need to go in there, give them the noise from the off, so they almost turn around and go, oh, okay, they are with us then. That's brilliant. And now let's go and fight for them. That's the kind of response that I would be looking for as a player, and that's, that, that would be my response. So, yeah, Luke, we've, we've just all had a whinge for the last hour and however long, but when it comes down to it, it's now a collective. We need the players to do their job. We need the fans to do ours. Um so, yeah, well, that's pretty much all we need to say about that. I think we've made that very, very clear. I guess we always like to go through the stats, Dan. No doubt you've got some interesting ones. Uh, so uh, hit us with those numbers. Right, I will fire away. So we have, it, it doesn't start well. You prepare yourself. There's a few ghoulers in this stats here, as you'd probably imagine. Now, we've played QPR 46 times. 13 victories, 11 draws, 22 defeats. At home, 22 times we played them at home, nine wins, three draws, and 10 defeats. I can't remember many sides where we've lost at home to them more than we beat them. No. (laughs) (laughs) In recent history, we have lost three of the last four at home to UPR, and we've won just two out of the last 11 matches played home and away again. Interestingly, a bit of a quirky stat, seven out of the last 11 seasons, both results have been the same. So, like, but, you know, if one team's won the first match, they've gone and won the second, or both games have ended a draw. Seven of the last 11 now, obviously that doesn't bode well, because QPR uh, went and they, obviously the first match, they won, didn't they, 4-2. Oops, home record. Yeah, we're going to have to touch on that. 16 points we've got this season, which puts us 22nd in the home table. Our 11 goal score is less than anyone at home in the whole league. In fact, the next worst is Millwall, who scored 14. So we're a three goals behind. We've only scored four on the opening of the season. It's not great. 
QPR's away record. 15 points have accumulated on their travels, which puts them 19th in the away league. They only scored 12 away, which means only Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday have scored less goals on the road. The last five matches, Stoke have three points, which puts them 22nd in the form table. Sheffield at QPR have eight points, which puts them 7th in the form table. Interestingly, the bottom six in the form table for the last five matches are all in the bottom eight in the league table. So six of the, six of the eight in the bottom of the league are all on poor runs of form. Huddersfield and QPR are the only ones who aren't in, in that table there. Now, Stephen Schumacher's record against QPR and against Sifuente, the QPR boss, is both the same. There's been just been the one meeting, which was December the 13th last year, a nil-nil draw at Loftus Road. Do you think that was his last game at Plymouth, Mike? I'm sure it couldn't have been far behind, could it? No, it couldn't have been far. I have to have a look. No. Yeah, so that was that was it. Well, Cipriante versus Stoke. He's just had the one game, which was the four-two victory at Loftus Road for the for the R's in the reverse fixture of the season. Which obviously, you know, we had uh, Lyndon Dykes uh, scoring the penalty, I believe, and then Ender Stevens got a red card. Then Pearson own goal. Everything was going wrong on that night for us, wasn't it? <laughs> um, last Stoke league hat trick was in this fixture. Jonathan Walters in a three-one win. 31st of January 2015. Uh, I think we could do with somebody stepping up and breaking that uh, record, couldn't we, on Wednesday night? Uh, Lyndon Dykes mentioned him just well. He scored twice at Loftus Road in November, but he hasn't scored in three league meetings, uh, three league appearances, sorry, at the Bet365 Stadium. So this is the 32nd league game of the season. Now, this is a real, like I say, really weird start, but we've lost the last four. 32nd league games of the season and we haven't won in the last nine years on the 32nd game of the season. Weird. Obviously, no reason for that. It's not as if it's like um, a stylistic thing or anything like that. It's just quirky. Um, 32 points from 31 games is the lowest we've had since 2017-18 when we got relegated. At that worst point, we had 27. And the second lowest since 2002-2003 when we only had 25 points at the stage, which was the season after we'd just been promoted from what was then Division 2. Uh, it was at this point, in 32 games actually, that Tony Pulis sort of, we switched, didn't we? And we then went on a great run to tell us to stay up on the last day. Where is our Adiakin Baiko in this time? That's what we want to know. Uh, this is the first time this season that we don't have more points than we did last season from the same fixtures. So we're now level. We now have the same amount of points this year as we did last year from the games we've actually played, the opposition we played. It's the old first time this season that has been we haven't had more. Um, if you're interested in the games we've got left, so... Uh, of the games we've got less, we played 11 of them last season. Four wins, four defeats, three draws. 15 points, will that be enough to keep us up? 47? Possibly, if we repeat that. Um, but we also, on top of that, would have two games against relegated clubs that we lost both, and two games against teams that have come up from League One last season, uh, which we, if you think the teams that went down, we won the corresponding ones. So, yeah, if we can repeat them, we'll be fine. <laughs> Only four clubs have scored more at the Betsy 6-5 Stadium since it opened than QPR. 
1997-98, when we were last relegated from this division, we won our second game of the calendar year in mid-January, just like we did this time. After exiting the FA Cup in round three, just like we did last time. The next win was at home to QPR. So let's hope if we do beat QPR, does that mm-hmm. mean we, so if we beat QPR, does that mean we're getting relegated like we did in 1998? Oh, mate, you better not. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, we did play QPR in mid-March and it was 11 games after the game The game we won in January. We're not quite at that stage yet, are we? <laughs> um, of QPR's 10 most players, I think this, this little stat here will show just how fragmented our squad is and how, how we've had no settled side compared to QPR. So, of QPR's 10... Um, their top four minutes played, so the, the players who played the most minutes in the season, their top four have all played over 200 minutes more than Stokes' top minutes played player. I don't know how you'd word that. So I was with Luke McNally, but Begovic, Paul, Chair and Field have all played at least 200 minutes more than McNally. So you think... On that team sheet most weeks, you will see them four QPR players. On the Stoke team sheet most weeks, you couldn't pick a one. There's not been one player who's been a, there, every, you know, there every week, free from injury, free from being dropped or uh, whatever in the, you know, the manager's plans. Um, interesting as well, of QPR's 10 most used players this season, minutes plays, the youngest is Andre Giselle, 24 years, 167 days. Of Stoke's most 10 used players, McNally, top, um, Berger second, Hoover third, and Juno in tenth are all younger than QPRs. So the players that we are using are all younger, close some considerably younger than QPRs players. I mean, like I say, twenty fourth, quite they've got quite an experienced side there by the looks of it. Um, I was going to say we were talking about we were talking about experience, Dan, about you know when you go into battle like this and. Uh, you want that experience, so that actually might just do them a, a couple of favours. I think you never know. Yeah. Um, just just a few more stats. Stoke of Stoke are the only club in the division to have had more than one penalty and missed more than they've scored this season. So we've had three. We've only scored one. Two have been saved. Obviously Ryan Mai and then Daniel Johnson at the weekend. Uh, QPR have been awarded one and scored it. I believe that was Lyndon Dykes in the fixture against Stoke. Um, Stoke and QPR, two of the lowest four scorers in the division. But whereas QPR are outperforming their XG by 0.5, Stokes are underperforming theirs by nearly eight goals. 7.6 goals underperforming. Sheffield Wednesday are underperforming by 7.2. And then you have to go all the way to 4.9 for Middlesbrough, who are the next worst. So we can't put chances away. QPR are, you know, they're creating, they're putting away what they should be doing. Not better, not worse, really, 0.5. Stoke massively creating chance after chance after chance. Nobody's putting them in the net. That is what's starting to catch up with us. And I think it's filtering down to the defence as well, to be honest. Uh, corners might be the way to go, though. Only Blackburn have conceded more than QPR's eight times from corners. And they've scored only once themselves from a corner, which is a league low. Three times the opposition have scored for QPR this season, including Ben Pearson in the fixture. So everything, you know, every little stat thing, we've got something from that first game. It was a very eventful night at Loftus Road, wasn't it? Um, only Coventry with four own goals have, uh, have had more. Two twice, Stoke have been uh, the recipients of an own goal. 
plenty of wide play. These two teams have put the most crosses in of any teams in the league this season. Stoke 647, QPR 634. And QPR's Paul Smith is the seventh most fouled player in the division. 50 times he's been fouled, whilst Wouterberger, 41, is actually in the top 10 for fouls committed. So maybe that's going to be a thing. Berger's going to go around kicking Smith. <laughs> that looks of it. Uh, and yeah, I think the referee might have his hand full because yellow card-wise, Ben Pearson tops the yellow cards in the division with 11. Jordan Thompson's not far behind with 10, as is QPR Sam Fields. And Jack Colback is sixth in the league with nine yellows already, despite only playing 18 games. Well, that's a surefire signing for Stoke in the summer then. <laughs> um, talking of the ref is Andrew Kitching 22 games he's ref this season 63 yellows, 1 red he's given 6 penalties, quite a high amount that for 22 games 11 home wins, I like the sound of that 6 draws, 5 away wins he's ref stoke 3 times gives us 5 yellows, no reds, no penalties in our games, 1 win, 1 draw, 1 defeat he ref the 1-1 one, one draw away at West Brom in December the 3-0 home less against Blackburn um, in November and the 2-0 away winning against Middlesbrough in October he's ref QPR twice give them three yellows no reds no penalties they yet to win with him refing with one draw and one defeat he ref their home 1-1 draw against Swansea and their 2-1 home loss against Cardiff on New Year's Day both of them games were played this season uh, one last thing before we get really into the team news and stuff like that is on this day, 14th of February 2006, Valentine's Day, saw TP return to the club that he loves when he brought his Plymouth side up to the Britannia Stadium during his gap year, if we can call it that, from managing Stoke, when he handed over to Johan Boskamp for 12 months and went to manage Plymouth. Yeah, but he brought, his, uh, brought the Green Army up and uh, the game, of course, ended nil-nil. I'm sure he would have been proud. Proud of his team for keeping a clean sheet and proud of his old team for keeping a clean sheet as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that an omen? Is, is Mr Pulis about to rear his head again, but in a slightly different way? Mm. Right. Well, I will say, we I've just written here in capital letters, top of everything, cannot lose. I'd love to say this is a must-win game, for me, it's a must-not-lose. If we, I think, look at the fixtures. I'd love us to win. I'd love us to get a six-point gap against QPR. Really gives us a bit of... Um, it gives a breathing space. We can just relax a little. But you know what? I think if we if we lose, that's absolutely awful for the season. I don't know if we recover from that. A draw, at least it keeps us that three points ahead. You know, and you know, it keeps our head above water for now. For now. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I mean, for me, are you look. I think if anyone hasn't figured out what I'm going to say from the last hour and half or whatever it is, then uh, I'd be surprised. But uh, I, I, I don't know. But I do not lose. This is absolutely do not do anything other than three points. We can't get a point out of this game, Dan. These two games have been huge. We cannot screw this up again. So I'm sorry, mate. For me, this is as simple as we win or we could be down. I, I genuinely do believe that 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 much in uh, where we are. I really do. I just I I think anything less is is just not realistic. 
Sorry, <laughs> I know it's really, really, defa- you know, defeatist. I don't mean to be. I just, if we can't beat Blackburn and we can't beat QPR, how would you expect us to beat any of the the rest that we've got? I mean, you have to be very um, old school, typical Stoke for us to get away with that. Where we go, you know, we we'll, we have to pull a shock result out against the Hall or someone of that nature. I mean, we can forget the likes of Leeds and, and Middlesbrough and stuff like that. I mean. I, I, I don't. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Middlesbrough aren't exactly an incredible team this season, but we just don't do very well against Middlesbrough either. Hull are a decent side. Yeah, I think they messed up against Swansea, but they're still a very good side. I, I, I'm really just struggling to see where else the points come from. So I don't know. What, I, I'm sitting here, and I know you haven't asked me. I don't actually know what my score prediction is. Can I? Can I have a bit more time to think about it? <laughs> Yeah, of course you can. Take as long as you want. <laughs> Do you, have you even picked well, a formation yet, alone in 11? Um, well, I've picked a formation and I'm sticking with what I said earlier. This is going to be a 4 2 3 1. I desperately do think that we need to get some more solidity in the midfield. Kundal is too lightweight. I can't have him in the team at all. So I'm going to go for a back four of Junior, Rose, McNally and Gooch. I know Gooch has not been great uh, the last game at all. I mean, it's probably a bit of an understatement, but I think obviously Stevens is still going to be out. I don't want Henry to go left back. Uh, I don't think that's the right position for him. So that's my back four. Iverson still goes in goal because I refuse to accept that he is the reason we're, we're on bad form. I still don't think I still don't think Bonham's anywhere near as good as him. The, the defense has let Iverson down. And my midfield is Thompson and Pearson is the two holding midfielders. And then in front of that, uh, we've got Berger, Larice, Haksabanovic, and Ennis. That's kind of what I'm going with. And prediction-wise, I'm going to have to come back to you because I need to have a think about that. I am, I desperately, desperately don't want to say that we're going to lose. So I need to have a, th- a bit of a think. <laughs> That's as much on the fence as I can give you. Well, I'm sort of similar to you in change of formation. Now, I'll be I'll tell you, I'll look at it. QPR committed 25 fouls on Saturday against Norwich. So for me... They're battling. You know, they're getting stuck in, aren't they? We've just seen the, the midfield, you know, the, the yellow card stats as well. You look at the team, they've got Begovic in goal. They've got Steve Cook centre-back, Jack Colback, Isaac Hayden centre-mid, Lyndon Dykes up front when he plays. A really experienced spine on the side there straight away, haven't they? You know, decent ability players, but real experience. You've got Willock and Chair on the wings, giving flair creativity, so I'm like... How are we going to nullify them and also create chances ourselves? I'm going to have to go three at the back because I don't think any of the centre-backs at the minute are playing well enough. So sticking, I'm going to have to stick an extra one in there. Um, Pearson. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Pearson's going to be in there to protect the defence for me. Uh, Junior and Gooch are going to be on the wing-backs. Um, obviously, Everson's in goal. Yeah, Will McNally Rose. Pearson defensive mid, junior on the right, Gooch on the left. They're the most solid wing backs because obviously you've got the threat of Chair and Willock, but obviously then they need to get forward. Gooch has showed you, he scored a couple of goals from left wing back, didn't he? Um, junior, you know, he's been up and down, he's played on the wing, so he can, you know, attacking wise, he can be a threat. But also, both of them, I think, can 
you know, if, if we nail on the Reds or on whatever, they come out and start the game like they started the second half against Blackburn, that first 20, 25 minutes when they, you know, they gave it a go. They need to come out and start with that mentality, start like it's nil-nil, get in front. Them two can protect uh, the defence from Willikin chair and also create. Ennis is going to lead the line. Uh, and I'm going to, obviously, Berger and Jono are going to be playing in front of Berger. I want them two to get up and support the attacks. I think both of them are capable of, of getting either creating a chance or putting one away themselves. I don't think either of them have got enough goals to be fair. I know John O's yet to score. Berger's only got one in the league. He should be getting more. As good as he's been playing, he should be getting more goals now. I know he's been playing deeper, so we're going to push him forward, try and get him on the on the score sheet. I'm thinking like Brynjar Gunnarsson back in the day, do you know what I mean? He was our best midfielder. When we pushed him a little bit forward, forward he scored some real vital goals and big games for us. That You want that kind of impact from him. So you've got Berger, Juno, Ennis is leading the line, and then Million Manhoff, for me, I'm giving him a free roll. So he's going to play off Ennis, but I just want him drifting around, picking the ball up. I think that might be the key for him, might be the best use of him. Um, don't sort of nail him down to one position as such, give him a bit of freedom, and that might be the best. If he gets the ball, like I say, you've got Berger and Jono getting up to support as well. Uh, you'll have Junior and Gucci on the wings. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, subs, Hoover, Thompson, Baker, Larice, Campbell, Bonham, Vidigal, Kundal, Hacks. Yeah, that's, that's me, that's me, and... I'm going to say we're going to win the game 3-1. It's not going to be as easy as that sounds, but I think that maybe towards the end, they're going to be desperate not to lose, aren't they? I think we maybe pick them off. We get one up, they come back, 2-1, and then right at the end, I think maybe they go a bit gung-go and we hit them on the break and get revenge for that defeat at Loftus Road. Okay, um, I don't know how I forgot about Manhoff. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I forgot about that. So uh, I'm going to make a, an executive decision to swap Haksabanovic with him. Uh, actually, you know what? One thing I, I would say about the Blackburn one is there was that run uh, where he's absolutely bombed it back to try and cover the you know the defensive issues. So I think that you know we've went missing, didn't you? Then Manhoff just just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> I've yeah, got you, exactly Junior. Don't worry, son. I've got you covered. <laughs> exactly that. But that, that, the good thing for me with, with about him is is really around the fact that he's he's going to be there to impress. He's going to be so desperate to impress. And I think you know we need that passion. And you know, we talked about solidity. I think we'll have that with Thompson and Pearson. I think we'll definitely have that. Burgers a workhorse. Uh, and then man, if if again if we've got some pace on the wings, I, I just think that could really be the difference. So. I'm going to go for a scrappy, horrible 1-0 win. I think we're going to just squeeze it because the thought of not winning it isn't really worth thinking about. So I'm going to go 1-0. Who's your hero? My hero. Mm. Um, You know what? I'm going to go Ennis again. I think I think he might have the bit between his teeth. I think few people were doubting him a little bit uh, as well. So uh, I'm going to go Ennis, and I think he might be the he might be the saviour that we need for the rest of this season. He's this year's Eddie Akinbayi. Well, he's got a bit of the dreadlocks, hasn't he? So uh, maybe maybe that's what he's, we need. He's quick. He's quick. 
he's not quite as muscly as Addy, but yeah, we'll do, he'll do, he'll do. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll take that. So we're both predicting a win then, are we? I'll take that. I'll take that. We can't. People can't accuse us of being miserable. At least Dan can. They, I suppose. Um, but but anyway, we been too happy again, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure we'd say happy either. But uh, anyway, let's. We've been, um, we've been insightful, anyway. Yeah, I think I think it's been insightful. Hopefully, if anything. So um, we'll start wrapping this up a little bit now. But firstly, let's hear from uh, Mr. Graham McGarry, and we'll also hear from our friends uh, at. At QPR, so we'll see exactly what uh, Graham has to say. So you're getting ready now for the day after Valentine's Day to play your next game, you Stoke predictors. And let's hope it's going to be a loving time at the Bet365 on Wednesday night. It's surely got to change. They've not won now in the last four. Last time they won, of course, was against Rotherham United, who were anchored firmly at the foot of the table. Stoke need to be putting points on the board. The players need to respond. And Stephen Schumacher will hopefully select the team that can do that come Wednesday night. Queen's Park Rangers are the visitors. They looked down and out a few weeks ago, but that just shows you if you get some results, you can quickly join the pack in the race to get out of trouble. Queen's Park Rangers are coming with a bit more confidence than Stoke have got, but Stoke have got to turn it round and they've got to give the supporters something to cheer about and something to hang on to. I know it's going to be a nervy, tension evening come Wednesday, and I think it'll be even worse by the time it's 10 o'clock Wednesday night. Stoke won. Queen's Park Rangers won. Lovely. Thank you very much, Graham. Much appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Luke, we, we know what we need to do. We know what we can absolutely not afford to do. So, uh, yeah, I think if I'm, a, if I'm a QPR fan going into this game, am I scared of Stoke City at this point? Probably not. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, QPR's away form this season, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're third from bottom, I think, on the away form. I could be very wrong with that, but um, I swear when I looked at it, they, they weren't exactly doing very well on that front. So, look, I think we've said in previous weeks, we need to score first. If we score first, I de- definitely think we win this one. I think the confidence that we'll get from that versus the confidence that will be knocked out of at a QPR, I just think that is exactly how we win this game. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be a masterclass by any stretch of the imagination. It will be a scrappy 1-0 win. Ennis will pop up and will somehow be able to hold on and not concede a goal for once. Uh, that's going to be where I'm going with that. Um, any final thoughts on the game, Dan, before we go into the who am I? And also a new feature which we talked about is actually would you rather? Uh, which is something that I thought about a few months ago and completely forgot to put into the podcast. So uh, any final thoughts before we do those? No, mate, fire away. And who am I? Okay, now, I I mean, you're always good at these things, if I'm honest with you, unless it's a made-up one from AI, uh, of course. Uh, But, uh, okay, I think you'll get this one. After playing for Stoke, I left for Luton Town. Uh, Alfie Doherty. No. I played for the likes of Plymouth, Berry, and Oldham Athletic before I retired in 2012. Oh, that's an interesting. Um, Probably a couple of players that. 
Yeah, not, not nothing's coming to mind yet. Okay, I scored 12 goals for Stoke between 1996 and 2001. No, not Richard Forsyth. I think he scored more than that. Um, but he was around that era, wasn't he? I'll say Richard Forsyth, just to rule him out. Uh, no, it's not him. So that's two guesses you've got. I will give you three, so I'll give you one more life. Okay. My name, in part, shares the title of a well-known cult classic starring Brandon Lee. <laughs> that means nothing to me. <laughs> oh, no, really? I don't. Is that a film, I take it, you're on about? It absolutely is, yeah. I don't do films. <laughs> oh no, I thought you might have got it off the back of that. Okay, um, yeah, let's try yeah. this. On the last clue, then, if I've, got, if I've got one life left. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you this last one. Okay, that's fine. I, I played up front for Stoke, born in Stockport, often scores goals alongside Peter Thorne. For example, I scored two in a 4 3 thriller with Preston in 1998. Ian Crow. Dean Crow, congratulations, mate. <laughs> when you started, yeah. even before you started saying that clue, that, the name just popped into my head. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> he went to Luton. And then I thought, yeah, the time matches up. I didn't realise he'd had such a, a long career after he left Stoke. Um, and that's probably about three. I remember him going to Leak Town. <laughs> um, and yeah. maybe didn't realise he'd been on that much. But but yeah, I was there for that, that game. We were 3-1 down with 20 minutes to go. And uh, came back, I'd say, 1-4-3. I think Dean Crow came off the bench and scored two. I think Kavanagh scored the other one late on. And we uh, say we won 4-3. And I think that was one of, that was one of uh, Brian Little's Magnificent Seven starting Stoke career off with. Um, yeah, to and the, uh, after. <laughs> the, film, the film, by the way, was uh, a film called The Crow, which is one of my all-time favourite films. Brandon Lee, obviously... Um, well, let's say obviously, it's not obvious to everyone who doesn't know, but he uh, he was accidentally shot on, on the set of the film. Uh, they they've managed to actually record most of the actual footage, uh, but there was a, a bullet a little bit like uh, the situation we had in America last year uh, on set where, um, oh, what's his face, shot that, shot and killed that uh, woman, I think it was, on set. But basically there was a bullet in the, in the chamber and there was a scene where he's... Alec Baldwin, yeah, so exactly the same thing. There was a bullet in there and killed Brandon Lee um, in that moment, but I think they've managed to get away with some of the footage and a few other bits they put together. So there's a bit of useless movie trivia for you. Um, but yeah, Dean Crow, I thought you might might get that one, uh, if I'm honest. I know you kind of technically did, but um, yeah, really, really good really good work. And let's go for the Would You Rather. Now, I've got about seven of these, which I've managed to compile. I'm obviously only going to do one. Perhaps it's going to turn into yet another two-hour podcast, and nobody needs that. So, let me just have a quick look and decide which one we're going to use. Are these things like, would you rather walk on your hands or eat with your feet? So, that guy does. Um, they can be, but I've tried to make some of them football-related. <laughs> okay. Um, let's have a quick look. Oh, there's a couple here that you would probably quite like, Dan. Um, Would you rather go to the playoff final knowing Stoke would lose or not be able to go and get promoted by beating Vale 5-0 in the final? I'm 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 skying the the uh sky, sky I am trying to say without swearing, but 
I'm watching that game on in the pub or in the sky or somewhere. I'm not, I'm quite happily oh, okay. sit at home and watch us win five nil, then go there and watch us lose. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think fair enough. I, I, I think going to a final and watching your team lose is always going to be more painful uh, than, than anything else. If I'm honest with you, well, uh, yeah. At least in the pub, we can all get together. Yeah. And we can all... yeah. If if I didn't know they were going to lose, that's a different story. But if you, oh, if no, you, you wouldn't have known. No, no, you, you wouldn't know going into this. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought you said knowing you were going to lose. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Ignore me. Ignore me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore me. Sorry. Right. Okay. So, do I know that the result if I go? You you know the result if you go. Yeah. So I know they're going to lose. Yeah. So I'm not going to turn up to that uh, when I can stay at home and watch them win five nil. Okay. Um, for the I'll, team, give, I'll give you. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. It's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek. Would you rather teach Wilson Plasios to play when it's windy or walk Liam Lawrence's dog? I will walk <laughs> Liam Lawrence's dog purely because if I do that, he's out of the way and he can't trip over him again, can he, on the stairs? <laughs> and maybe he'll go and get somewhere better to sleep. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll walk him down to the pet shop and we'll get him a nice bed that he can then locate in, like, the lounge or the kitchen, not on the stairs. <laughs> OK. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I, I'm quite liking these. I, um, we'll, we'll just cut a lot of the, a lot of the fluff out uh, to fit these in. Um, would you rather the manager of Stoke for the next five years be Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp? I, I, I find him slightly irritating, but I do think Jurgen Klopp is a, a better manager, and also b far more Stoke. He's more Stoke into than Pep. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm just thinking with with the money that the coach family would have if they could have obviously spend anything, then you'd go for Pep. I think. I think if if you had an unlimited budget, you'd go for Pep because you'd be able to to make us into whatever we wanted to be. But I think you're right. Yeah, if you had to work under the current restrictions, Jurgen probably is going to be a better fit, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's not always turning down Pep Guardiola. So if, if Pep is listening, then you know we're we're open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Pep. I'm not. I'm not saying I'll, I'll turn you down. You're just behind Jurgen in the queue. Um, yeah, I, I think as well. Like the rock and roll football that Klopp plays, the high intensity, sort of in your face kind of football. I think that's far more Stoke like than. The ticky tacker, tippy tappy stuff that Guardiola, although, to be fair, Guardiola plays with inverted fullbacks and like 90% of all the clubs are trying to do now, so so we trying to do and copy it. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, I think if you look back at the Stoke and what we've always sort of prided ourselves on, I think we are more Klopp than Guardiola. Okay, good. Well, we'll uh, we'll do some more of them uh, probably next week again. But Luke, I think it's been a very interesting pod. Uh, we've had some uh, very strong opinions, obviously at the start of it. Uh, we've given you hopefully a, a few food for thoughts, really going into it. Uh, I remember fourth minute, I'd really appreciate. You know, I think everyone would really appreciate it. Bit of an applause for a bit of nostalgia uh, for Peter Handyside. But uh, again, Luke, again, we need to win. We absolutely need to win this. I know Dan, you saying don't lose, but uh, I'm 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 afraid I'm gonna have to commit to saying we absolutely cannot do anything else other than winning. So been a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who's joined us. 
and uh, we will all be back hopefully to talk about three points versus QPR or we won't be back because we'll be too busy crying. So um, Dan, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you. And yes, let's uh, send the R's back down the motorway where they're nothing, no presents handed out on Valentine's Day for them. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.